Now, here's a little known fact where nobody knows your name is not filmed in front of a live studio audience. There you go. It's a cliff episode, isn't it, John? Wow, I didn't know we were going to kick off with an impression. I'm, in, I'm impressed. I think I did a decent job. Not not great, not terrible. <laughs> I think everyone's going to be like, oh, wow, they, they got John Ratzenberger to do, do the <laughs> It's probably the most famous Cliff episode. I'd say it's one of the most famous episodes. It's got its own Wikipedia page, James. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, to this day, people reference it. It's probably one of the most famous instances of... Cheers, and I'm trying to think what I'm trying to say. It's it's a, it's, a very it's, popular crossover episode, and yeah. probably an epitome of crossovers of the era. Yep, and it's art imitating life. And after this episode, life imitates art. You know what I'm saying? Because we're talking about what is Cliff Clavin? Uh, he's a, he's the postal delivery guy in Cheers. <laughs> so this is how this is how Jeopardy works. If I said the answer is uh, Cheers postman, you would go, "What is Cliff Clavin?" You see. Wait, what? Yeah. <laughs> I never, I'm never going to understand this. I tried to, uh, this is a slight spoiler, James. I tried to write questions for the trivia as if they were questions. And I think I've got Jeopardy wrong. Uh, yeah, I've tried to explain <laughs> Jeopardy to you in the past. And you'd, there's categories, an answer comes up. And even in this episode of Cheers, they try to explain <laughs> how it works. You must have got to the final act and be like, this doesn't make sense. <laughs> I thought I understood it. <laughs> anyway, this episode is What is Cliff Clavin? Season 8, episode 14. It aired on January the 18th, 1990. was directed by Andy Ackerman. Where are you at, James Burroughs? <laughs> and I don't have the name of the people who wrote it, James, so if you could say that, that'd be... Uh, Dan O'Shannon and Tom Anderson. And what an episode it is. I genuinely think this is a, a really fun one. I'm looking forward to talking about it. I'm looking forward to talking about sitcoms and quiz shows as well, James. There's certainly a relationship between them that sort of happened over many decades uh, only fools Delboy went on millionaire mm. in the last episode didn't he or very close to the last episode definitely and i think we'll talk about that a bit later on and other instances of that but should we kick off with the cold open james we mentioned we mentioned last week we're in the 90s and i think <laughs> this is a nice cold open to sort of talk about cheers and how it's changed through the decades because a man named earl arrives at cheers and he hasn't been there for some years i think maybe 20, 20 years or something? 20 yeah. years, he's been over in Alaska. And he, he talks about all the changes and how you, you can never come home because it's all changed so much. And he talks to Woody about it, who's a great person to talk to because Woody's a fresh face. I uh, I already have a pun. All right. It's a, uh, do you know what Cheers used to look like? <laughs> do you know is a city in Alaska? Oh, okay. Yeah, it's yeah. lost on me, I'm afraid. <laughs> <laughs> Earl comes into Cheers and he's amazed by everything that's changed. And he's talking to Woody and he, he's saying, there used to be panelling over there. And Woody goes, oh, where? And he goes, right next to Norm. <laughs> <laughs> a lovely piece of dialogue to just testament how long Norm's been there. He truly is part of the furniture. A slight tidbit, James, I don't think we've talked about. It sort of just riffs off this cold open. Are you familiar with the Cheers Easter egg in Fallout 4? Yeah, 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 yeah. Where they go down and you got Skelenorm. Yeah, yeah, there's a... There's a <laughs> 
a bar within this game which is post-apocalyptic, and even then there is a skeleton of Norm set on his stool. <laughs> he's he's there. He's a test of time. He's always going to be there. I, I need to play that Fallout games. You know, I think I'd play Fallout Four because what with having been to Boston, I'll just go sightseeing. So we kick off this episode with some big news from Cliff. Yes, indeed we do. Some big facts. Jeopardy's coming to town. Yeah, uh, I like Jeopardy as a TV show. You got a favorite quiz show, do you, John? Oh, I, I wasn't expecting this question. I'm a I'm a big fan of Pointless, which is uh, for those who don't know. Oh, what's it's what's what's the, what's the US Family Fortunes? Family Feud. It's Family Feuds in reverse. You want to get the most obscure. Yeah, it has to be obscure but correct. And yeah. if it's fully pointless, you you want to get the low. It's like golf. You want the lowest points, so you're yeah. aiming for that lovely zero. So it'd be and like, uh, oh, name actor from Cheers. Oh, Deirdrick Bader. He played the waiter. A <laughs> <laughs> hundred points. Everybody knew it. <laughs> I like Only Connect. That's a oh, that's yeah. a very cerebral one. That is. You dropped a, a little thing of that in the Cheers chat the other day. We all got flabbergasted by it. We, yeah, it took three of us to get most of the answers. I was quite proud of some of them I got. I'm normally terrible at that game. I'm, I'm, I can yeah, usually do quite well and only connect. But quiz shows, what are they like? Fun. Yeah. yeah exciting <laughs> times. But we can see why Cliff, as a know-it-all barfly, is very excited by the idea of Jeopardy coming to town and is determined on interviewing for it and being on the show. He really sets that up as he enters the bar. Jeopardy is coming to town for a one-time only East Coast appearance. And I'm going to take the test to be on the show. Be here, Mr. Clem? What is a brewed alcoholic beverage consisting of barley and yeast? Well, I don't know. Usually you just have a beer. Cliff comes in and out the bar, updating everyone about Jeopardy until one day he comes in and says, I aced the test. I'm going to be on Jeopardy. And everybody cheers. And I think this is probably the best moment of Cliff's life. <laughs> It is, yeah. He's can't believe it. it. It gets a bit of buzz around the bar. Rebecca instantly is like, "Oh, Cliff, you should you should promote the bar whilst you're on there." <laughs> and everyone gets uh, <laughs> everyone tells some small tales about the bar and uh, some memories that he could share. The on disgusting there. stuff they found. You know when people go on the show Jeopardy and they always tell us some little amusing anecdote. Huh, sure. Well, I was just standing over there thinking that maybe it would be good publicity for the bar if you could come up with a funny little blurb about Cheers. Cliffy, I know. Why don't you tell about the time uh, we got the really bad keg of beer and everyone got sick all over the place? <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, no, no. Remember uh, that glow-in-the-dark men's room fungus? <laughs> now, how about the time we found that dead possum on the steps? <laughs> At least I hope that was a possum. I hate to think a rat could get that big. I have some facts about what reviewers thought of this episode, including someone who wasn't a reviewer, but was a well-known person, and I'm sure Cliff knew who he was. I'd love to hear those, James. General Norman Schwarzkopf cited this as the funniest episode of Cheers. Who was and, uh, and he's a reviewer. He's a U. <laughs> First name is General. He's a U.S. general. Don Layton of Superior Telegram called this the greatest episode of Cheers. Jeffrey Robinson of DVD Talk praised the concept of the episode uh, and its guest star, of course, being Alex Trebek. Hot Springs Village Voice particularly praised, I guess, the punchline of the setup but what you said about sitcom episodes and going on quiz shows ken jennings you know ken jennings 
or Ken. I'll tell you who Ken, Ken Jennings is. <laughs> I'll tell you who Ken Jennings is. He's one of the highest reigning Jeopardy champions in terms of number of episodes won. And in his book, Rainiac, he noted the commonality of Jeopardy rated sitcom episodes at the time. So, you know, you were right that certainly Jeopardy was something which sitcoms went, uh, Jeopardy's popular. Alex Trebek's IMDb is popping. <laughs> he's, he's in everything as himself. In a quiz show, you yeah. think you could do it yourself. You know, that's the that's the reason to watch because you get all the answers right and mm-hmm, you mm-hmm. feel like you could do it. When you watch a sitcom, you uh, especially American sitcoms, you get to know a group of people and you want to be part of that friendship group. Yes. And when you join those two things together, you get this sort of lightning in the bottle moment has just a sort of pure joy, a familiarity of these two things coming together. A friend of mine once went on a game show. You're familiar with the game show Two Tribes? I am, Named yeah. after the, is it Javan Javan? Well, I'm not sure if it is because they, they didn't have that song as the theme tune. Uh, but you know the song I speak of. But it was hosted by a tall man. Richard Osmond. That's his, that's, that's his name. And the concept was that essentially you can answer questions as a team but the team changes for each question based on arbitrary things like whether you're left or right-handed whether you're above or under 40 they switch up the teams each time a friend of mine was on uh, and you know they asked about uh, I, said, I hope he's not listening because this will embarrass him again i think we're a smaller audience than primetime bbc quiz shows but basically a friend of mine was on and they were asking you know about languages and they were paired into the teams where they could speak you know at least bilingual and then a team which could only speak um English and he, he didn't speak a second language, but he talked about some French he learned in school. He went, yeah, no, in school I only learned that this phrase and the phrase was the, the French for, in my house there is a bathroom with a shower. And he did a little mime, which helped him remember it. And Richard Osmond just went, fascinating story. <laughs> and moved on. Cold. I think that's also part of the charm of seeing people you know, but also people you feel you know in terms of a sitcom on a quiz show, because inevitably they're doomed to fail. In the premise of a sitcom always returning to a secular kind of restart, they're never going to win the big money. Yeah, or if they do something, they'll do something foolish with the money after winning it. Like we mentioned when Del Boy from Only Fools and Horses was on Millionaire, I think he won a substantial amount of money, but then the tax man got him. There's another great example. Uh, my Probably one of my favourites actually is Family Feuds with Always Sunny in Philadelphia. <laughs> oh, yeah. They surveyed Charlie who gives the most random answers, but is the 1%. That is a great episode. It's called, is it The Gang Does Family Feud or something? All this talk of quiz shows, sitcoms, it's got me excited to talk about Jeopardy with Cliff. But before we do, I think we got a B-plot we got to dive into first. The missing little black book. Oh, of course, yeah. Sam's little black book has gone awry and he can't find it. And it's this point of desperation of him trying to find it. Initially, he thinks he's left it in the bar. He gets encouraged to retrace his steps to find out where it is. But there's a twist in this tale, James, because he finds out that someone's been using his little black book to set up dates and then just ghost people. He's putting a bad name out there for Mr. Malone. What I find, and they do address this, what I find odd is that the mysterious man asks them to wear the same uniform and meet up at the same place. I think the woman would be a bit suspicious uh, if they saw a crowd of them all dressed exactly the same, you know? I mean, the, the, Sam's getting calls at the bar saying, where were you when you show up? And Woody's taking yeah. these messages. I'm surprised no one's just showed up to the bar. Sam is getting desperately anxious because not only has he lost his book, it's fallen into dangerous hands. Whoever has got it is up to no good, even less good than Sam. 
Hi, guys. Hey, Sam, I got a bunch of messages for you, mostly girls screaming at you. Oh, man, this is sick. The guy's going through my list of babes. I mean, first the A's, then the B's. He's worked his way through the G's. I mean, where's he gonna strike next? The H's. Hey, that's good work, Dr. Quinn. You gonna think like a criminal. Or like somebody acquainted with our alphabet. But lucky for them, uh, there is a H in that book that they, they know well, and that's, of course, Rebecca Howe. Sam asks her to... Honey trap was, is too wrong and too strong a phrase, but essentially agree to meet this mysterious ne'er-do-well. A call comes through to the bar, actually, I think, which is... Odd. Hello? Who? Oh, Sam. Yeah, hold on just one second. It's the guy with your book. What shall I do? Talk to him. You know, pretend like there's someone who would go out with me. Okay, I'll try. Hello? Hello? Oh, yeah, yeah. Yes, I'm back. Silly me. I was just talking into the wrong end of the receiver. Uh, oh, yes, I'm wearing a miniskirt and uh, my French cut panties. I'm, I'm just not a real good skater. Listen, now, maybe you could meet me someplace else. Have you ever heard of a bar called Cheers? Uh-huh. Good. Well, then why don't you come over here right now? And please hurry. It's, it's, it's hot, and I don't know how much longer I can keep my clothes on. <laughs> the trap is set. They're waiting for this mysterious person to arrive. And who is it, James? Oh, it's a little kid with proper <laughs> 90s hair. It's the 90s now. We can't forget <laughs> it. It's the 90s. I, I... It's, the, it's, the, it's 90s boy. It slightly reminded me of the very first episode with... Um, you know, give, give me a beer uh, with the fake ID and this kind of a young kid tr- chancing their luck uh, in cheers and, and just seeing what they can kind of get away with, I guess. Don't get away with much, do they? Well, Mr. Depraved sicko with your book does come in here. Now, how are we going to recognize him? I don't know. Get it out. Hey, hey, mister. Mister, have you seen a girl wearing a black leather miniskirt? <laughs> Check the roller rink. Whoa, whoa, whoa. You wouldn't happen to be Sam Malone, would you? Who wants to know? As a matter of fact, I do. <laughs> wow, what a coincidence. <laughs> well, see ya. <laughs> it's, it's a weird moment, but there's almost a fatherly element to Sam's response. Yeah, I'd agree with that. What happens is Sam at first asks him, why are you, uh, why are you ghosting these gals? But in, you know, much more, you know, sensible way of asking mm. the question. And, um, Not like a gangster from the 60s. <laughs> What's the matter with you? <laughs> um, uh, get out of here. Um, <laughs> but yeah, he asks him and the kid says, well, I've arranged to meet them, but you know, I, I, they wouldn't agree to go out with me. And I'm like, that's sweet. Then why are you calling them up? <laughs> but Sam gives him some advice, which is kind of you're a kid, you're, you're a pup. I think he calls him. Yeah, not babe pound, but a, but a babe pup. He kind of gives him some advice and sends him on his merry way with his little black book safe in hand. Uh, yes, Sam retrieves the black book and he gives the kids something like twenty dollars for a haircut. And Sam puts the little black book in a, a watertight bag to preserve it for future for future generations, maybe James. But I tell you what, James, that we got some closure to that story. It was a, a small element of this episode, but I think. A nicely written, tight little B story, which gave us lots of time and room for the main part of this episode. So tell me, James, what is Cliff Clavin? I don't. What are you? Do I have to answer? Yeah, yeah. To get yeah the I point? think 
I think that's how Jeopardy works. It's not how Jeopardy works. Yeah, uh, yeah, the yeah. listeners, the, all the comments we're going to get on this this episode will be, John doesn't know how Jeopardy works. <laughs> Just before we get into Jeopardy, we get a lovely piece from Woody saying, well, will you go and watch it to Norm? And Woody says, I've always wanted to see the ball explode into a million pieces and the word Jeopardy arrive, thinking that actually happens in real life. Do you want to know a fun fact about it, Woody? I thought you were going to say, it, it doesn't happen in real life. Well, give me some fun facts. Uh, in White Men Can't Jump, Woody Harrelson's character visited the set of Jeopardy again. He, he loves it. Any excuse. Venom 3. <laughs> the Jeopardy scene. And now from Boston, this is Jeopardy. Now entering the studio are today's contestants. A doctor and chief of neurosurgery at Boston General Hospital, Milford Reynolds. A lawyer and mother of six, Agnes Borsig. And a mailman. Cliff Clavin. And now, here is the host of Jeopardy, Alex Trebek. Thank you, Johnny. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen. Hi, everyone, and welcome to a very special edition of Jeopardy. Thank you, Alex. You're welcome, Cliff. I tell you what, James, we get to see the Jeopardy set in all its glory. Alex Trebek is there, and we talked about seeing these sort of crossovers of a sitcom and a quiz show. Seeing Cliff on that podium felt like home, James. I feel like we've been building to this moment since, oh, what episode was it? Oh, season one, episode one. What I was going to say, in My Fair Clavin, we really established his passion and love for Jeopardy. He did you know? love Jeopardy, yeah. He, yeah. He'd rather stay in than go out, you know? Brought a girl home, watched Jeopardy together. And now he's on that podium. If you were to go on a quiz show, you'd go, ah, my dream categories would be blank, 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 blank. And this is the element of this episode, which is that kind of magic thing is the categories are his dream categories. So let's get right to it. Players, good luck. We're now going to play the first round of Jeopardy. And here are the categories for you. Civil servants. Stamps from around the world. Mothers and sons. Beer. Bar trivia. And finally, celibacy. If you want to come across backstage. Well, this has got to be Mr. Clavin's dream boy. Sure, he's on free. As long as he doesn't get too cocky. You can ask for a better one, and he, he is cocky with it. There's this lovely... Because we get Norm's response from the audience and his sort of monologue to Woody, and he's like, this isn't going to go well. He's going to nah. be too cocky about this. And we see Cliff go, like, something like, yeah, I'm ready, and there's, like, an imaginary dice roll. And you just see Norm put his hand... Yeah, I'm feeling lucky. <laughs> yeah. But should we talk about the other contestants and then maybe the cast? I think let's talk about all the cast. We have... Alex Trebek as Alex Trebek, your host, Alex Trebek. He started hosting Jeopardy in 1984 with his last episode airing 8th of January 2021, exactly three months after his death. Greg Davis as Timmy. This was his film and TV debut. He also appeared in Wonder Years, Renegade and Second Noah. Bernie Kuby as Earl. He also appeared in the Doris Day Show, Bewitched, All in the Family, Police Story, Columbo, Charlie, Rich Man, Poor Man, Charlie's Angels, New York, New York, Little House on the Prairie, High Anxiety, Fantasy Island, Laverne and Shirley, The Karate Kid, Remington Steel, Saint Elsewhere, The Totellis, Wings, and many more. Johnny Gilbert as Johnny Gilbert. He was hired along with Trebek after Trebek met him at a dinner party and was impressed with his voice. He is the Jeopardy announcer to this day. Peter Schreiner as Pete. 
Audrey Lowell as Agnes Borsik. She also appeared in Fear Strikes Out. The Joker is Wild. Omar Khayyam, The Horizontal Lieutenant, The Wild Wild West, The Phyllis Diller Show, and Jake and the Fat Man. This was uh, one of the Jeopardy contestants. The other Jeopardy contestant is William A. Porter as Milford Reynolds. This was his film and TV acting debut. He also appeared in Street Asylum, The Young and the Restless, Going Under, When the Rough Breaks, and Ned and Stacy. His main work was as a production manager for The Patty Duke Show, The Guns of Will Sonnet, my World and Welcome to It, The Most Deadly Game, Starsky and Hutch, Hollywood Wives, Dynasty, Hotel, The Love Boat, and many more. Stephen Rotblatt as stage manager. He also appeared in A Rumor of War, Outrageous Fortune, Surrender, Max Headroom, and Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. Philip Pillman is uncredited as Phil, and Harley Venton is uncredited as Jeopardy audience member. He also appeared in Guiding Light Murphy Brown Sleeping with the Enemy, Matt Locke, Who's the Boss, Star Trek The Next Generation, Seinfeld, L.A. Law, The Larry Sanders Show, Murder, She Wrote, Diagnosis, Murder, Law and Order, Jag, and many more. What a cast, James. I do have to say, though, I mean, Alex Trebek steals the show with this episode. He does. Give back the show, Alex. (laughs) (laughs) And he's done it so many times across other shows that He's kind of, I think, maybe almost synonymous with these appearances across uh, sort of different TV shows and, and both hopping genres, but also how he does that with sort of good grace and fun. There's a great uh, cutaway gag in Family Guy where Family Guy's like, oh, this is why I went on Jeopardy. And <laughs> he goes, and Peter, what is your answer? Kibbert Zella. <laughs> and Alex Trebek vanishes and he goes, only saying his name backwards sends him back to the alternate dimension from whence he came. <laughs> There's another moment in um, the X Files when uh, men in black appear, and yeah. one of them is Alex Trebek. Uh, <laughs> purely for the fact that if you say that Alex Trebek came and he was the men in black working for like a, an alien conspiracy, no, you'd sound you. crazy. Yeah. <laughs> but in this episode, he plays himself in a very, not stoic, but he's on the job of, of presenting a quiz show. Very deadpan, isn't it? Very deadpan. Yeah, he does, he does not break character, but he's presented with uh, the off the wall logic and thoughts of Cliff Clavin. Thus, the episode title, What is Cliff Clavin? We'll talk about, basically, it comes to um, the final question, Double Jeopardy, if you like, and there's a series of names on the board, right? They're obviously well-known people, but these are the lesser-known names of said people, not not the stage names, the actual names. I will tell you, if you ask me this in trivia, I do not know the answer. Gentlemen, our final Jeopardy category is movies. In a moment, contestants, I'll give you the clue. You'll then have 30 seconds to write down your question. Here we go. Our final Jeopardy answer is Archibald Leach, Bernard Schwartz, and Lucille Lesseur. Good luck, players. Cliff puts what I think is a very logical answer. (laughs) Cliff, good news for you. Both of your opponents came up with incorrect responses, and what that means is that even if you're wrong... As long as you didn't do anything foolish like wager everything, you're a cinch winner. Well, then we, uh, we don't have to see my answer, do we there, Alex? Listen, we, she is the uh, tournament of champions. <laughs> We're running out of time, and we are going to have to take a look at your response. You wrote down, who are three people who have never been in my kitchen? No, I'm sorry, that too is wrong. The correct response is, what were the real names of Cary Grant, Tony Curtis, and Joan Crawford? Be that as it may, Alex. Those people have never been in my kitchen. Well, I'm sure they haven't, but obviously that's not what we were going for when we wrote up that clue. Obvious to who? 
Hope it's all right. You don't have to worry. Unless you risk more than $21,600, you will be the new Jeopardy! champion. So let's take a look and see what your wager was. You bet 22,000 big ones, which takes you down to zero. You bet it all. Cliff, why would you do something like that? Because I knew that those people had never been in my kitchen. You can ask them. Come on, Tony Curtis is still alive. Get him on the phone, go ahead. I'll pay for the call. This isn't gonna work, Cliff, sorry. I would have given him the points. Norm in his heart knows exactly what Cliff will do in this situation because Cliff has rode a wave of luck, essentially, where all and the arrogance. categories and arrogance, <laughs> where all the categories have fallen in his favour. He's 22 grand up, I think. He's at least 21 grand over any other contestant. He's, of course, going to gamble it all. In the book Hope, How Triumphant Leaders Create the Future, Andrew Ruzegi called this one of the greatest episodes, funniest episodes of Cheers, and said Cliff's answer was uh, neither right nor wrong. I mean, I'm going to correct you even more, Andrew. It's uh, it's not wrong. <laughs> and it's an example of divergent thinking. He elaborated and he said Cliff was a poster child for uh, J.P. Guilford, right? Who is a, this psychiatrist, this psychologist who specializes in intelligence and the difference between convergent and divergent thinking? And he said Cliff is the poster boy. And I'm watching this going, Am I, am I a divergent thinker? I think maybe. But, you know, this is why you struggle with the concept of Jeopardy as a show, John. Because when the answers are displayed and contestants need to come up with the question, any question which has that answer could be correct. Like it's like, you know, uh, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy with 42 where they ask this big old robot, which essentially is meant to be an allegory for God. They ask it, what is the meaning of life, the universe, and everything? And it says 42. And throughout a lot of the books, the characters then go searching for what question this big old robot was trying to answer, because they think finding the question will help illuminate why 42 was such an important answer. So you see how it works now? No. (laughs) (laughs) The uh, divergent thinking you're alluding to is when presented with these three names Cliff's answer that he's betted all of his money on is people who haven't been in my kitchen who hasn't been in my kitchen and he gets very defensive about this and he goes well they haven't they haven't Ask, ask one of them's alive, ask them. He's still alive, Colin. <laughs> I'll pay for the call. <laughs> and this is where Alex Trebek, in a very sincere delivery, says, oh, don't worry, Cliff, as long as you haven't bet all of your money on it, you'll be fine. And then he <laughs> that he's uh, not only bet $22,000, he's betted $22,000 big ones. I mentioned earlier that when he got on Jeopardy was probably the best moment of his life. This is probably the worst moment of his life. I've got more facts, yeah. Mm-hmm. In Jeopardy, season 31, episode 14, which aired on the 15th of September, 2014, the year champion, Elizabeth Williams, stated Cliff's answer, you know, who hasn't been in my kitchen, as she had the most money and won without needing the correct answer, you know, so she bet a minimum amount, little or nothing, and put down an answer she knew was incorrect because she could get away with it just for the banter just for the bants the little entry on some trivia somewhere yeah. just for the chat while on this podcast <laughs> some at some point between eight and nine years someone is going to talk about this moment you wait till we're doing the toast at the end of this episode <laughs> elizabeth williams we're gonna toast you in the 2005 ultimate tournament of champions which was 10th of may the double jeopardy round was cliff's dream boy you know civil servants stamps from around the world mothers and sons beer bar trivia and celibacy and I kind of want to watch this episode now just to see what questions 
or answers would come up. The legacy of this show is very much wrapped around this episode. And the show itself is almost an institution how long it's been running. Love this episode of Cheers. There is actually a practice named after this called a Clavin's rule, which is when a, a contestant is winning throughout the episode until losing it all in the final round. <laughs> Trebek called it this, and also echoed by Cameron Martin of The Atlantic magazine, Ashley Burns of Up Rocks, Tim Graham of ESPN, and Christopher Hare of SP Nation blog Five for Bowling. Well, I suppose if it's going to be named after anyone, at least it's a fictional character. Yeah. <laughs> but after this humiliating defeat on Jeopardy, Cliff goes back to the bar shore. Everyone will have heard about his Clavin's rule, his extreme failure. And he arrives at the bar and he talks to Pete and Pete is oblivious, but also shares full sympathy about what Cliff's done. Uh, I'm a failure. Oh, don't worry, Cliff. I, uh, you know, I can't believe I lost that on Jeopardy. You're on Jeopardy. Which is a great moment, but almost in a, a return of favour, Cliff went on Jeopardy. Alex Trebek, it would be remiss if he didn't arrive at Cheers the bar. This was the scene where I thought, surely after watching this scene, John can figure out how Jeopardy works <laughs> because <laughs> Alex explains the rules. I kind of get it, but I don't... <laughs> I've, I've prepared two questions. One I think is good, one I'm not so. But you'll see later and maybe I've got it right, maybe I'm not. But Alex Trebek goes to Cliff. Ah, oh, Cliff, I've, I've sought you out and I've come here to talk to you. Hey, listen, I'm very sorry about what happened to you on our program this afternoon. Well, so you'd uh, admit that you were out of line by telling me I was wrong? Well, I wouldn't go quite that far. The fact is that a case could be made for your point of view. I think the problem for us was in the way we phrased our answer. It allowed for more than one possible yeah, question. See, see, so you got my 44,000 bucks? <laughs> no, no, I don't. Huh. Uh, well, then you're probably going to have me back as a returning contestant then, right? No, we're not going to do that either. I know this isn't what you want to hear, but believe me, we're as upset about what happened as you are. You know, it's a funny thing. You spend years hosting a show, and you get into the habit of thinking there's just one correct question for every answer. But life doesn't always work out that way. The world is much more complex, and you discover that there are many different ways of looking at the universe. Yeah, so uh, what are you gonna do? I think I'm gonna quit my job as host of Jeopardy. <laughs> Maybe spend a little time in Tibet. <laughs> When Alice Trebek sort of loses faith in the show, Cliff does a very motivational speech and says, I mean, you, you, got, you don't know what you're saying. Well, now, wait a minute. How can I go on hosting the program if I'm filled with all these doubts? <laughs> all right, Alex. Think about what Jeopardy means to America. Now, it's more than just a game show. I mean, it, it's as much a part of the... National fabric is the postal uniform that I wear with pride every single day. So you think I should stay as the host of Jeopardy? Absolutely. And you won't bear me any ill will if I do? Uh, bite your tongue. All right, it's settled. I'm going to stay on as the host of Jeopardy. Ah, oh, thank goodness, Alex. Hey, 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 you hear that, everybody? I saved Jeopardy! <laughs> and Cliff goes around boasting to the bar and he says, I'm going to call Mark I, I saved Jeopardy. As Trebek turns to the bar and he says, I just came in for a beer. I saw Cliff, but I figured I'd better say something. So I made up a story about Cliff. And he just goes, he scares me. <laughs> it's a lovely episode. I understand why it's got all the praise and attention that it has, because I think it's a truly special episode. And yeah. I think it, it does a lot for the characters, but also in a larger scope of sort of a TV moment, I guess.
time for the Jeopardy round. So, so John, welcome to Jeopardy. Are you feeling lucky today? <laughs> Not particularly. <laughs> but as usual, before we open our letters, we have to give a shout out to our norms on Patreon. So this goes out to Treb Curry. If you want that special norm treatment, then check out our Patreon page for that and so much more. Rebecca thinks it would be good publicity for Cliff to give a Cheers anecdote while on Jeopardy. What do the gang suggest? Um, something about the story of when they found a dead possum. I can't remember any more than that, though. Uh, what What is a dead possum? <laughs> uh, Woody says when they, they found a dead, what they thought was a possum. Norm, a bad keg that made everyone sick. And Carla, glow-in-the-dark men's room fungus. <laughs> Classy. Okay, I've got an answer for you, James, but I'm confused. <laughs> Stairs, tiles, panelling. Stairs, tiles. Oh, yeah. Uh, what are the three features of Cheers that Earl recognises or says have changed since his last time being there? Yeah. What aspects of Cheers has Norm outlived? <laughs> Archibald Leach. Bernard Schwartz, Lucille Lesser. Um, what people haven't been in my kitchen? You get the points. <laughs> <laughs> I would have also accepted. Who are Cary Grant, Tony Curtis, and Joan Crawford? I might actually use that a lot more in trivia. I, th- I feel like I could get away with lots. <laughs> this one I was quite proud of. It's not a question, it's an answer. <laughs> Okay. Well done, Diane. Ta-ta. The hell are you talking about? <laughs> um, well done, Diane. Well done, Diane. Ta-ta. I'm proud of this, James. I think this is like a uh, potentially a good question. I, well, I think it's a line of dialogue from this episode, but I don't remember who says it. No, no you stumped me. The question I was looking for is how to serve steak. Well done, Diane. ta Oh. That's that's good, isn't it? I think that's... I, I, you know what I heard? Someone congratulating Diane, then telling them goodbye. Yeah, yeah, that's why it's a good question. <laughs> I'm proud of that, James. Oh, uh, well, uh, we're, I do like the wordplay. Well done. I'm proud of that. It's not from this episode, it's just... just... No, just me trying to do a Jeopardy question. <laughs> Was it, did I do it right? I don't know. Yeah, the question would be, what are the methods of cooking steak? Yeah. Put that on Jeopardy. Oh, I guess it's a final... Call or Final Jeopardy or Jigs Time. Double Jeopardy, which means a double drink of something, James. Ooh, child. What should... <laughs> I'm just going to say this now, James. Yeah? There's a double Jeopardy cocktail. Oh, we'll have that then. Hazelnut liqueur. Oh, good start. Sambuca black. Oh. Ice cream. Milk and ice. I am confused and intrigued. I'm like John <laughs> trying to understand the rules of Jeopardy. Do you want to go for a double Jeopardy? There is also a cocktail called an Alex Trebek, so maybe we, we might oh, have to let's go, double, let's double go Jeopardy two drinks. I think we'll go for the Trebek, you know. He, okay. he was very good, uh, at not just Jeopardy host, but in playing versions of himself, parodies of himself. Um, I don't know, he is missed. I think we do the double jeopardy with a chaser of an Alex Trebek. So I tell you what, James, we've got a lot to toast this episode, but I think the quiz shows and sitcom crossovers is definitely up there. Yeah, yeah. Let's toast to Cliff's double jeopardy. And of course, let's not forget Elizabeth Williams. This has been Where Nobody Knows Your Name, a Cheers podcast. If you're listening, Liz, this is for you. (laughs) 